This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. So here we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. I missed that when I was in Florida. I gave them the opening verse and it was like cricket, 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 cricket. I was like, man, I need to teach you guys something here. Hebrews chapter 11, of course, is the beginning of probably the greatest chapter in the Bible about faith. You can read all the way through it and it'll say by faith Moses and by faith Noah and by faith, by faith. And it goes on and on and on. Just all about faith. But it starts out by saying this, now faith is. So when is faith? That's the good thing about faith. Faith is always, faith updates itself. You know, while you're sleeping, faith will update itself. So now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Notice that in the King James Version, the evidence of things not seen. So that in itself is a great verse, and I know you know it. I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Classic Bible. Now listen very carefully. It says, now faith is the assurance the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction, I like these words in here, proof of things we do not see and conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. So faith in it talks about faith as the title deed of things that we hope for. You can only have the title to things that you hope for. So you have got to get your hope in place. That's why we have to have hope for our faith to become active. Can you shout amen? So that's why I'll say it to you. Point number one, hope is the inseparable companion of faith. You can't separate the two. Now, with faith just by itself, you might be able to get some things to move a little but you're not going to see them to the level that they should. I used this illustration this morning up until the time I met Pastor Ginger. Now, I had already become a Christian in 1976, as I told you, when we began to date. And I told the first group this morning, we were dating for months and didn't even know we were dating. We didn't even know we were dating. I mean, I would talk to her every day. She would talk to me every day. She'd come over and cook for me and, and, and my daughter. And, and we'd sit around and listen to preaching tapes. But, but we really didn't know we were dating for a while. We were, hey, one day we were, hey, I think we're dating, aren't we? Yeah, I think we're dating. You know? Especially when she, when she said to me one night, shut up and kiss me. So when I, that, that, that was a clue right there that we were probably dating. Amen. That was a pretty good clue that we were probably not just friendly, but we were actually dating. Amen. That's a true story. You know the story. And uh, so I was a Christian. I was born again, spirit-filled. I was a preacher. Didn't have a church at that time, but I was a preacher. And all of those things were in place. But it's like I was missing something 
to get me getting to where God wanted me to be. Now, using it as a natural illustration, I might have represented faith. Let's just say in the relation, I represented faith, but when she came, hope came along. And when hope came along, all of a sudden, it's like, all of a sudden, I could, she would say to me, you can do this. God is with you. You are really good. And all of a sudden, and, and something stirred, and I felt hope coming up. And all of a sudden, all this faith that I had stored up over here that really wasn't doing anything, got some hope with it, and all of a sudden, things started changing. Are you listening to me? So what my job is, your pastor is now to get some hope in you because I know you know some things about faith. Uh, you come to this church, you're going to know about it. But I'm trying to get your hope in you now so now you can get this thing moving. So it's not just something that you know about, but it's something that you are actually believing for. Can you shout amen? I'll give you the same quote I gave in the last service. Lewis Smith said, this nation was built by the power of hope. No painter ever set brush to canvas. No writer ever set a pen to paper. No builder ever set brick on brick. No enterpriser ever built an enterprise without having hope that he or she could do what they were dreaming of doing. We have not, I like this statement, we have not begun to fathom the power of hope in creating better lives for ourselves and our children. I'm going to say that last part again. We have not begun to fathom the power of hope in creating better lives for ourselves and our children. So that's what hope does. It helps you create a better life. Yes. Yes. Because now your faith has something to go after. Because when I met her again, think about it again, when I met her and when we finally realized we were dating and she began to say, you can do this. You will do this. I believe in you. I know this is in you. And I had gone through, you know, some pretty severe things. When she did this, something happened in me. Hope started stirring again. And all of a sudden, my hope started to rise that, yes, I was going to be able to overcome my, my hardships. Yes, I was going to be able to go on and be in ministry. Yes, I was going to be used of God. And even though I knew that from the Bible, I knew it, there was a certain amount of, I didn't have enough hope to go after it. Amen. Can you shout amen? That's why you need to be around people that will put hope in you. Be around people that say, you can do this. You are, you are going to, I don't care what anybody, you are going to do this. Not somebody that will tell you, you won't, you can't, you might as well forget it, you might as well quit. There's enough of those people out there. But this is what hope will do for you. So number two, hope, number one, hope's the inseparable companion of faith. Number two, it is the predecessor to the fulfillment of the promise. Now that sounds a little wordy, but think about what I just said. Hope is the predecessor to the fulfillment of the promise. So if I have hope, that is the first thing I got to have, and it will cause the fulfillment of the promise if I have hope. It is the predecessor. So we got to put it first. If you're going to start saying, okay, there's some things in my life that I know God wants me to have, and there's some things in my life that I, that I want them as well. So what am I going to do now to get them? Well, number one, I've got my hope out there. Father, I've, I've got my hope in you now that this is going to come to pass. And all of a sudden that hope is the predecessor to the fulfillment of the promise. The promise will come to pass. Can you shout amen? Using Pastor Ginger again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, sometimes it only takes one more person in your life to, to unlock everything. 
Just having one more person come along and say something just at the right moment, bring the right, just at the right moment, bring the right peace to your life. Just at the moment when you're, you're feeling down, you think you want to quit, you're not sure if you're going to make it. Just one person can say one thing and it can change everything. That can also happen in the negative. Somebody can come along and say something like this, like after Job got attacked, why don't you just curse God and die? Right? So you got to be careful. Again, we've been mentioning it for months. Take heed what you hear. You have the right to sift through what you hear. You have a right to cut off what you know is destructive to your life. Cut off the people that will try to entice you and try to talk to you and try to draw you and draw you and just, you know, you gotta, wait a minute now, what are you talking about? And sometimes they're not bad people. I'm not talking about everybody that does that is bad or evil, but you've got to understand where your lifeline is. You've got to understand where your flow is. And where you're, if you're being fed, you've got to protect that. I learned a long time ago, and I didn't know this when I was a young Christian. It was critical who I allowed to speak into my life. It was critical to the people that I listened to or I didn't listen to. And the more you walk with God, the lonelier your life will get. Did you know that? Because you'll find out you just can't have a lot of people close in because if you do, there's some of them are going to eventually, they're, they're, they're going to just say things that are going to pull you out. Can you shout amen? I was talking to uh, someone this week. Now I got contacted up being in the who's who list again, whatever. I don't even know if I'm going to do it. That lady would have me on the phone. And of course, eventually you got to buy a book or something in there. So I mean, there's some kind of catch. But supposedly they contacted me and they want me to be in the who's who and all this kind of stuff. And, and so she's doing my bio on the phone and talking about all. And she said, well, tell me more about yourself, which I don't really like to do. Well, you know, what have you done? Well, you know, well, you've been, pa I'm a pastor. Yes. How long have you been pastoring? I said, well, how, I said, she said, the church you're in now, how old is it? I said, it'll be 33 years old in August. She said, how long have you been pastoring? I said, 33 years, you know, in August. She said, wow, I don't hear that anymore. I've talked to a lot of pastors, you know, and when, when they're in, the, and I said, yeah, I know. I said, I, I don't know if I've been too dumb to stay or too dumb, dumb enough not to leave, but I'm still there, man. I mean, you know, I, I've been here for everything. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've, I've seen every victory and I've been in every battle. Hallelujah. You know, uh, but I was thinking about how, you know, in the middle of all of your life, you're going to have to, you, you've got to find sources of hope. There are certain people that I will call when I need some hope because I know they're going to give me some. And then there are some people that I will not talk to them <laughs> if I'm in the middle of something that looks hopeless because the last thing I need to do is to hear them put the dagger in. I mean, you know what I'm saying? You got to have this call list here. Now, if I get around this person and I'm in need, I know that they're going to give me some hope and I'm going to get built up. But I also know if I get to talk to this person, my God in heaven. Can you shout amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Number three, we will never get the deed to anything unless we first have hope. So you have to have hope first. If you're failing to get the deed uh, to what you know belongs to you, go back and check your hope out immediately. 
Where is your hope at? There's a particular something that Pastor Ginger and I are, are, are been needing to get done, needing to happen. And I had to, the Lord said to me the other day, you've just gotten real negative about that. I said, I have not. He said, oh, yes, you have. And I knew that he was right. And I had to admit it. I had gotten negative about this one particular thing that we needed to, to change. And I knew it. And, and, I, and I realized, well, if I'm negative, there's no way I'm in hope if I'm negative. I mean, you know, the opposite of hope is fear. Just like faith, it's kind of the same kind of scenario. And so I, I realized, you know, all of a sudden you start looking at, if you're in the negative, if you're in the negative, you can't have hope. See, hope is always things are going to get better. You know, and I'll give you a definition in a little bit for that. All right. So anyway, you'll never get to deed anything unless you have hope. Number, number four, faith produces what hope has presented. Faith produces what hope has presented. So if, if hope says this is yours, then faith, if, it, if hope presents it to faith, it says this is what you can have, faith says, okay, then we'll get it. Then we're going to get that. So you've got to understand again, faith produces what hope is presented. Number five, if you can dream it or hope for it, you can have it. Now, this is when I had to spend a lot of time. I wasn't so sure about this, you know, because when you're trained as a young man in my, in my particular household, everybody was, a, we, we, I lived with a bunch of, uh, of professional losers. Amen. No, no offense, but my family, there was no, I, I, I didn't have one person in my family I could look at and go, that's who I want to be like. Because I didn't have anybody. I mean, honestly, not, not I me. Mean, I don't know what your family was like. You know, every family usually has three or four that are like emerge. All of mine submerged, praise God, you know. And, uh, and, and I knew, so, so I had to look elsewhere. It was hard for me to see that. But, but yet at the same time, when I got born again, I'll admit when I got born again, I knew there was something great inside of me. And I don't say that to sound prideful, but I knew it when I got born again. When you connect with God, God will unlock the best part of you. The part of you that you dared to even believe was there. When you really connect with God and the Holy Spirit, He will begin to show you your potential. That you dare would, wouldn't even have spoken before, but all of a sudden, you know, man, I know that's in there. Now, I'm not sure how to get it out, I, I'm not, but I do know this, I know it's in there. And I'd go to all those meetings and I would, I would, you know, do all those things that we did in those days, as you've heard over and over and over, sleep in cars and, 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 and all that kind of stuff and, and not have hotel rooms. But I knew somehow inside of me, I was not going to spend the rest of my life going to meetings and sleeping in cars. I knew there was coming a day, bless God, I was going to be like that person who walked by, went in there, picked whatever they wanted out on the, on the product table, went out and ate what they wanted to eat for lunch, and went and rested in a nice hotel room before they came back to the service that night. I didn't know how I was going to get there. There was no evidence of it. There was no, I didn't have any kind of road that, would already, that I could see to get me there, but I knew if I could just stick with this long enough, my job as a pastor every week, you know one of my main jobs as a pastor is to not let you quit. My job almost every, because I know every week, I know that. I had a bunch of pastor friends, I had a couple of pastor friends ask me, so what are you going to say this week about uh, the Supreme Court Roe versus Wade? I said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say hardly anything. 
Well, why aren't you going to say that? Shouldn't you be celebrating about it? I said, look, I've always been for life. I've never been, uh, I've never been, but our congregation knows where we are on that. I'm, I'm thankful that maybe some babies like, but, but you know what? That's, but I told myself, when I come to church on Sunday, I got people that are desperate. I got some that are facing death and disease and, and, and divorce and, and all kinds of stuff. I can't let myself get so pulled into everything out there that I forget that my mission here is to make sure you don't quit. I, I can't, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed the lambs. I mean, I have beliefs in certain things about all kinds of stuff in our country, but I am not going to spend my pulpit time up here every week with that because some of you I know are this close to quitting. I don't know necessarily which ones, but I know that's true. Some of you are desperate when you come in here. You have got to hear from God. You have got to get a touch from heaven. You have to. And it is my responsibility to know that and to forsake a lot of my own stuff and just be sure that I can be as clear as I can for you. That's my job. That's the only reason I do this. I do not do it for money. I do not do it for fame. I do not do it for a pat on the back. I do not do it for any other reason. I do it because I want to help God's people. It's the only reason that I'm in ministry. Not to build a name for myself. Not to get some accolades, not to get a bunch of awards, not to get recognition. I really, you know, all of that stuff is so superficial. But I know that people, when, they, when they're here, they're desperate. So I try to do everything I can to focus on that. When I walk through those doors, you better know one thing. I am ready to try to do what I can to help you. That's my, that's my sole thought when I walk through those doors. Anything I'm dealing with outside, anything I'm thinking about, anything that's going on anywhere else, I'll, I'll ha it'll have its moment, but it won't have it in here. In here, I'll talk to you about your life and try to help you. Can you shout amen? amen. Jesus said that, that, that people need shepherds. You know, and that's what I've tried to be. So again, now... Um, there's nothing too hard when hope is available. I love that. There's nothing too hard when hope is available. Uh, the next thing, number faith becomes limitless when we have hope. So faith is designed to do the impossible. Now, we can think of things that, that, we can, that we know are possible, and some of those are pretty big, just things that we know are possible, but faith is actually above that because you know, you can do the impossible. But for that to happen, then of course, faith will become limitless unless we have hope. But the more hope you have, the higher the limits go. Because you get your hope, oh, okay, wait, wait, whoa, okay, wait, 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 oh! And the great thing about hope is hope will always try to go above your circumstances. Hope will always, your circumstances will be here and hope will say, come on up here. You're so, you're so, no, come on up here, um, but I'm here. No, come on up here. But come on up and see, hope is always trying to raise you. Amen. It's always trying to bring you up. It's always trying to get you off the mat, get you back in the game. Hallelujah. Praise God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I know one thing, that'll stick in your head. 
You need to not be here one day and say, praise God, and it'll come out before you know what happened. <laughs> Can you shout amen? Praise the Lord. Arden Barden, boy, what a name. Arden Barden said, it is not the way we deal with our human situation that is the basis for hope. Hope is the basis for how we deal with our human situation. I really like that. I think that's really good. Number eight, courage and hope are synonymous. When you lose your hope, you lose your courage. So we have to protect and keep our courage and be sure that and keep our hope because it'll keep our courage up. They're connected one to another. You have to have, they kind of go hand in hand. Go to Psalms 31 real fast. Try to get a couple of scriptures in here real fast that maybe I couldn't get in this morning. Uh, at the 8.30, excuse me, yeah, the 8.30 service, I felt like I was just spoon-feeding as fast as I could. I, we have six dogs. How many of you know six? Everybody say, pray for pastor. Yeah. Well, we have a routine in the morning, uh, of course, with the dogs. The first one is to get them out as quickly as possible while there's still a chance that they'll, they'll make it uh, outside. Uh, after they do their business outside, I'm inside, I'm preparing their food, I'm preparing uh, Pastor Ginger's breakfast, my own and stuff. So I got this whole little routine going on. Once I get them back in, I feed them their food and then I'm able to have the little bit of breakfast that I have, which is usually maybe some oats. And sometimes I'll eat some uh, Cheerios, you know. Uh, and, and so, but when I eat the bowl of Cheerios, all six of those dogs will sit around me as I eat my Cheerios. And so... Over time, I have put extra Cheerios in the bowl. <laughs> so when I've eaten all that I want, one by one, I take a spoon and they eat right out of the spoon and I call their name and they line up like little troopers right along the line there and they all get their cereal. <laughs> Pray for me, y'all. <laughs> this happens every day I'm home. It happened this morning before I ever got here. And... Uh, and I, I was just thinking about, I was even thinking about even how dogs have hope. The moment they see me go to that, the moment they see me go to the pantry, I get the Cheerio box. They start going, <laughs> their tails are wagging, except for one dog. We have one dog with no tail. But, 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 uh, he came that way too. I don't know how that, but, uh, but they are, it's like they know the, the provision they know is there. And then they know the provider is also going to be there. And they line right up there. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing sight. I always tell Pastor Ginger, you're too, uh, those dogs. She was like, you're the one that spoiled them. I mean, feeding them out of a spoon with cereal. <laughs> Psalm 31. We better read something here. Get me out of this. Um, verse 23. Oh, love the Lord, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. Listen to this. And plentifully rewards the proud doer, the one who does the right thing. Verse 24, be of good courage and, be, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you that hope in the Lord. So we're seeing the connection between hope and courage there. Be of good courage, all you that hope in the Lord. As long as you have hope, you'll have courage. Because the courage is things are going to get better. The hope's saying, I know this looks like it could really be, but, but it's okay. Have some hope here, and then courage will come. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen. It, it's amazing 
and the more, the longer you serve God, the more you'll understand this. Quick, some quick definitions according to some Bible dictionaries, just so that you have them. I, I gave them this morning. Unger's dictionary says that it's the word elpis in the Greek, E-L-P-I-S. The word hope here means the expectation of good. So in other words, here's how you know you have hope. You're expecting something good. Because if you're expecting something bad, you do not have hope. You have fear. Now, if you're expecting something bad and you're in here today, we need to change that. We need to get, get you from expecting something bad to expecting something good. Quit saying it'll never work out. I'll never get it. It always goes to somebody else. Everybody gets this but me. You know, stop all of that. Because according to the Bible, Bible hope is the expectation of something good. Amen. Something good. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 from the Amplified. You know this, uh, not, not from the Amplified. Let's read from the NIV. You know it in the King James Version. But he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. In the NIV it says, plans to give you hope and a future. So your future is tied to your hope. So that's why you have to have hope. If you, if you don't have hope, then it's going to cloud your future. Don't leave your future just to circumstances. Don't leave your future just in the hands of your intelligence. Don't leave your future just in the hands of your uh, talent and ability. You might have a lot of talent and ability, but don't leave your future just in the hands of your talent and ability or, or anything else. Because those things could change quickly. You want your future tied to your hope, and your hope is invested in God. Can you shout amen? Uh, Job, go back one book here. You're just a, a book back from Psalms. Job chapter 11. GP, are you with me? Man, I even heard a couple of white people say that. Praise God. Job 11, verse 18. Listen to this. Now, this is a great, great, this is, Job's kind of being reproved here, but there's some good stuff in here in verse 18. It says, and you shall be secure because there is hope. Let's read it again. Job eleven eighteen. You shall be secure because you, because there is hope. Yeah, you shall dig about you and you shall take your rest in safety. So this literally tells us here that hope brings security. It says you shall, again, read it, you shall be secure because there's hope. As long as there's hope, just understand God, God know, when you're in a storm, God knows you're in it. It's not like it's a big mystery that God doesn't, that he's somewhere else. But God knows you're in it. God knows the moment you go into the storm. How many of you ever watched that old show? I, I, we, we still love it, the reruns, Quantum Leap. Oh boy, <laughs> right? Every week he leaps into some other place and he's always in a mess when he leaps in and the, his words he says is, oh boy. We heard them say that that was not in the original script when they shot the pilot for that, that Scott Bakula ad-libbed that. Because they, they had him be in this particular figure and it, for the first time when he did it, he looked in the mirror and they showed the other guy that was like it and he went, oh boy. And they said, wait a minute, say that again. He said, oh boy. And they said, that's going to stick right there. 
used it in every in every but remember how he would leap into these different situations and these dis, different problems and some of them would be very desperate but he had Al with him <laughs> and Ziggy remember he'd hit that thing man we got we got our hope in the word of God we got our hope in the Holy Spirit you know the Holy Spirit doesn't smoke cigars <laughs> I didn't just get on smoking. I was talking about Al, in case you didn't know what I just said right there. Some of you know what I just said. Some of you didn't. Amen. All right. But understand, hope brings security. It says even when you're in a desperate moment, there's, there's a way to get through this. There's a way to get beyond this. There's a way to get above this. Because it doesn't feel like it. You say, my God, what are we going to do now? I mean, oh my goodness, now what are we going to do? Because I mean... Goodness, but keep your hope, right? Amen. Homer's dictionary says that uh, this other Greek word says that hope is the trustful expectation of the fulfillment of God's promises. In other words, we just know, we don't know how, but we know God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen. So, you know, now how are we going to get the, how are we going to get hope? How are we going to get it? You have to know what belongs to you. Carl Menninger said, hope is an adventure, a going forward, a confident search for a rewarding life. I kind of like that. It's an adventure, a going forward, a confident search for a rewarding life. Hope, hope just keeps saying things will get better. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. The devil will say things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. Things are going to get worse. Hope will say, you're going to make it through this. And the devil in the voice of fear will say, you're never going to survive this. You survived that, but you can't survive this. You've never been through that. You're never going to make it. And hope keeps saying, stay with it. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. You're going to find a way. I'm, God, God is saying, I'm with you. I'm going to, I'm going to help you. You're going to, you'll see. You'll get through it. Better days are coming. Look at your neighbor and say, better days are coming. And you got to believe it. You've got to believe it. You can't, you can't let your circumstances dictate it. Amen. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, of course, said this. He said, tis morning somewhere. What does that mean? That means so, there, it may be night in your life, but there's morning somewhere. There's morning somewhere. God made sure when he put this planet here, even after the chaos that happened in Genesis with the fall of man, God still made sure that there was a certain amount of balance on this planet. That there was morning and there was night. And he said in Psalms 126, he that goes forth, this is verse 5, two of my favorite verses in the Bible. He that goes forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him for they who sow in tears shall reap in joy and I like that word in Psalm 126 verse 5 he shall doubtless come again rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him how many people have you had in your life that have come and gone over your lifetime if you've, if you've lived very long at all, you can't even, it almost gets to the point you can't even list them anymore. They came and they went. They came and they went. And for some of them were prominent. Some of them were very important and very, and for the moment and for the season of your life, they were huge. I mean, it was everything, but something, whatever, they, they, but what does that mean? Well, I mean, weren't you also here before they came? Yeah. Right? So, what does that say to you? God will give you a way. There's hope for everybody. 
A lot of you, now I'm not going to do a poll in here, but there's a lot of folks in this room, like there are online, that have been divorced. And if you ever go through it, it's horrible. It's dark. It's, it's, it's the most suffocating thing you can feel without, I think, without dying. It's one of the most suffocating things of your life. Because, especially if you're invested in it, especially if you're desirous to have the marriage, and then for whatever reason it ends, it just absolutely feels like you will never, ever recover from it. It feels that way. It feels like there's no recovering from this. I might go on, but I'll never recover. But you do. You do. And in a lot of cases, especially if you weren't a Christian in those first moments, and you, it is much better. God is amazing how he can get you through some stuff that seemed fatal, that seemed like that is, that is it, you are done. But somehow, God has this ability. If you'll just put your hope in him, if you'll just put your trust in the word somehow to bring you all the way through it and then begin to heal you from the inside and then begin to get your mind renewed and get you back in the flow and get you back in the moment and begin to put your life together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but the word of God can put anybody back together. How many of you say, I testify to that? It's amazing how God does it. It's amazing when you're in the darkest hour, when you're in the absolute pit of the, of the belly of the whale, the pit of hell, which it represented. That's what, when Jonah was in the belly of the whale, it was a representative of hell itself because we know later on, Jesus said, as, a, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth, meaning hell. He, he was saying, that's about as bad as it could get. But even down there, God talked to Jonah. And even down there, he got spent. And the Bible said he made a three days journey in a day. It's amazing when you get a little hope, you'll make up for all that lost ground. All that lost time in your life, you get some hope and you'll just go running again. And you get to be like a child again. We were, we were lying in bed a couple of nights ago and just talking a little bit. And I said, hey girl, this October is going to be 40 years. That's what I said to her. She said, it doesn't feel like it. I said, I know. And I said, that's a good thing. Because some people, some people, you can be with them 40 minutes and it feels like 40 years. <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's good if you've been together 40 years and it doesn't feel like it. Because it means, you know, it's been pretty doggone good. Right? Isn't it amazing how God can do stuff like that for you? We serve such an incredible God, don't we? My, my can help us get through all this stuff. Most of it we create ourselves, most of it, but, but God is so patient. And I told you this every single day of my life, including this morning, in my prayer time, the last person I pray for in my prayer time, after a long list of people I pray for, is myself. But the first thing I say when I'm praying for myself, I say, Father, thank you for being so very, 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 and you've heard me say it before. I say very, very, about 20 times, patient with me. It's the first thing I thank him for, that he's patient with me. Amen. He understands that I, you know, I wibble a little bit and I wobble, but I don't fall down, you know. 
Uh, and you know, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I said in the first service, I said, we, I still believe we have the greatest congregation in the whole. Nobody's going to talk me out of it. You're not going to get me to change my confession. I believe we have the greatest congregation anywhere. I said, you know, I said, maybe not the best pastor, but I know we got the greatest congregation. And one of our members stopped me at the door and it was a very seasoned lady. She said, you are an incredible pastor, Pastor William. Don't you ever say that you're not. I said, well, I said, the people who stay believe that. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, we better move on. Um, Psalms 130. We're, we're, we're getting ready to wind down here in just a minute. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Psalms 130, verse 5. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. So this book is a book of hope. This is a hope book. You want some hope? Grab this book. It'll give you some hope. It's amazing how much hope you can get out of this book right here. Verse 6. My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. Isn't it just wonderful about the Word of God? It just provides so much hope, doesn't it? It's so wonderful. I, just, I appreciate that about God's Word. Uh, Deuteronomy 7. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deut Deuteronomy, if you're wondering. That's in the Pentateuch. Those are the first five books of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now, I know that it doesn't say it in the King James Version. It actually does say it in the Amplified, but I'm just going to read the King James for lack of time. Now, look, look verse, I think I want verse, uh, what do I want here? Verse 18. But you shall not be afraid, this is of other nations, Deuteronomy chapter 7, of other nations. You shall not be afraid of them, but shall well remember what the Lord your God did unto Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. So what he's saying in here, one thing that gets your hope up is remembering what God's done in the past. Amen. Amen. I, I just, I'm, I'm astounded. I'm astounded when I remember what God has done. I think about how, how hope was the catalyst to almost everything that, that's ever been good in my life. And it's all based on what God said he would do in his word. Aren't you glad that God's not a man that he should lie? Some more little points about hope. You can write them down quickly. Hope cannot be contained. I like that about hope. Hope promotes praise. I like that. Romans 15, if you want to run over there real fast, we'll grab a couple of scriptures on our way to the finish line here. Romans chapter 15, I love this verse. I read it this morning. It's one of my favorite verses here about this subject. Romans 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope. So he's the God of what? Shout it. The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So God wants us, one, one translation says overflowing with hope. Just overflowing with hope. And again, you go out that door, we all know how people are going to, most people are negative, most people are hopeless, most people are going to talk it down, but you need to be overflowing with hope. Just all the time. Just all the time. I have relatives, oh my gosh. And I, I mean, a couple of them I love. I don't hardly have any left now. Uh, hey, I mentioned this morning and I showed it to the first congregation. I've shown it to you before. Um, 
I don't even know what I did. Oh, there it is. I said, the epitome of hope right here, though, I told you this, is Uncle Bill's driver's license. It was his last driver's license. And uh, he slipped out of his house. He, he wasn't supposed to drive at all. And two months before he passed, or before he went in, into the uh, uh, veterans' nursing home and he passed there, but two months before he passed, he snuck out one day and somehow drove his truck. You see it out back here. We call that... that that uh, tan Toyota out there, we call it Uncle Bill. Because he wanted Jason to have it, and he donated to Jason in his will. So anyway, uh, he snuck out and went to the driver's license place at 96 years old and got them to renew his license for eight more years. I got his driver's license. That man was going to be 104 and still driving. Now you're talking about hope. That's hope right there. This is a copy of his last driver's license where they issued it to him now, he died back about five years ago, and this was going to be good through 2024. <laughs> now, that's having some hope right there. Somebody said hope and faith is when a 96-year, I, I, I read this one time, a 90-year-old man married an 80-year-old woman, and uh, they chose a, a, a neighborhood that had good schools nearby. Said, man, that's got that. You got, you get, you got. Better have some, some pep in your step, right? <laughs> Praise God. All right, we're almost done. Um, <laughs> good old Uncle Bill. Hopelessness is meant to deny you of God's best. So that's why you can't get into hopelessness. Hope begins in the soul. It causes you to, here's another good thing about hope, it, remain, it causes you to remain calm in the storms. Amen. People say, because here's what people will do when you're in a storm. What are you going to do? That's what they'll ask you. What are you going to do? So what are you going to do? I'm going to keep my trust in the Lord. I know, but what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to have faith in God. But what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to have hope. You know, Jesus didn't come, Jesus, Jesus came out during that storm and said, where's your faith at? They lost their hope. They lost hope like that. We're going to die. That's what they said. Master, don't you care? We're dying out here. Right? Hope causes you to remain calm in the storm. Hope brings you the grace you need for the moment. God will, in other words, hope will bring you through the moment. Hope will bring you to something, but it will also bring you through it. And hope reveals Christ in you. That's what I really love about hope. It reveals Christ in you. The Bible says the hope of glory. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I don't know when it's going to take place. I'm like every human on this planet. Although we all talk about heaven and how wonderful and magnificent and glorious it is. You know, we probably all want to stick around another day or two, I'm sure. But there will come a day when it's going to mean everything. And uh, you just got to keep your hope in the Lord. I preached Father's Day, as you know, last week down there for Alan and Julie. Uh, and uh, at the end, I mentioned the saying that I gave to you last week about, from Michona Delueo. I mentioned the quote to them, and I had all the men come up and say it as well. And uh, the quote, of course, as you know, is I'm going to have a whole message on this. I can just tell this. This is just be a good one-time, you know, confidence-building message. But I mentioned it to them. The, the quote, of course, he had was, the storm is what they threw at me, and the hurricane is what I became. Amen. I love that quote. It's one of my all-time favorites. Amen. Michona Dilawayo, he's a Canadian, uh, 
I think he's a man of God. I've read, he's got a lot of books and stuff. And, and, uh, but I loved, of all of the quotes, and he's got some good ones. That is a, that's my favorite of all. It's probably in my top ten all-time favorite quote list on my quote list now. The storm is what they threw at me, but the hurricane is what I became. Wow. Now that is a statement right there that you need to have because life is not always going to be what you wish it would be. Life is not always going to be quote-unquote fair. Sometimes, you know, some storms, you can tell when they're coming. We're believing for rain here. There's a chance today. Now, I have to get my meteorological hat off and push it to the side because what happens, sidebar for a moment, let me be weather wheel for a minute, not Pastor William, but I'm going to be weather wheel. When, when, when a drought begins, the ground, first of all, becomes dry. Then the atmosphere above the ground gets dry, and then it will continue to, it goes layer, 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 way up into the atmosphere. It, that's why it makes it more difficult for it to even rain again. And you can have rain coming right at you like you guys did last week. I saw it on the radar. You had a line of thunderstorms. It got all the way to the Tennessee-Kentucky border and went, and you got a lot of wind, and a few people got a sprinkle. Because it hit that dry air that was all the way up to the upper parts of the atmosphere. And when it did, it just dissipated. So I'm watching this system as it's trying to approach. And we're believing God that it will break through. Right? But you're going to go through some droughts in your life. You're going to go through some storms in your life. And some of them, you will see them coming. And you can at least make some preparation to sort of batten down the hatches. I better, you know, in the, on the coastline, they'll issue hurricane warnings. And if, if you're on the coastline and your house gets, you know, you get, glass gets broken out, it's kind of, no offense, it's kind of your fault. Because now they can tell you two and three and four and five days out that it's coming, and you can at least prepare. Tornadoes aren't that way. They can Now, they can sort of forecast that they're coming, but they don't know when they're going to drop down or exactly where. I mean, they can be like, zoop, and they're right down on top of you. So they can be very sudden and very destructive. Hurricanes are much larger, encompass a much, much larger, uh, uh, you know, parcel of, uh, they can do more mass destruction because they're so big, where a tornado can only be a mile or two across, but can really be violent. So some storms in your life are like hurricanes. You can see them coming. You can at least prepare. You can at least get yourself into a position so that you know what you can do when it hits. But uh, life is not always going to be like that. It's going to come with things that you didn't know were coming sometimes. And whatever happens, you've got to keep your hope. You've got to decide, I am keeping my hope in God. How did I get here to begin with? I got I had hope in the Lord. Had hope in God. How did you get through the last storm? You had hope. Some, see, I said it this morning. Hope is the last thing that you lose. That's why you cannot afford to lose hope. You, it's the last thing that you lose. It's the last thing. That's why you, it, it's the one thing that can, can hold you. We might, I might, on Thursday night, I might preach a little bit of this sometime just to get another piece in you. Because in Hebrews 6, it talks about hope is the anchor of your soul. So hope is the one thing when everything's going, hope keeps you while everything around you is raging and blowing and all kinds of, you know, turmoil is going on. But hope will keep you in that spot where you've got to be at until that thing begins to clear. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen? So going back to the statement again, 
The storm is what they threw at me. The hurricane is what I became. So you saw me post online this week. Some of you responded. I thought there'd be more because I thought you might have remembered what I preached last Sunday. But I put it on there. I put the quote on there and I said, now say this with me. And I put, I am hurricane. And I put the blank left for you to put your name in there. Now, I think if we as Christians believe the Bible the way we say we do and believe our God is for us and not against us, he'll never leave us and never forsake us. He's with us always, even the ends of the earth. If we believe if an enemy comes one way, he'll flee seven, right? Right? If we believe all that, and we could go on all the quotes in the Bible. If we believe all that, the next time the storm comes, we ought to say out loud, the storm, we, we know the storm's coming. Okay, but I'm about to become hurricane. You know what the devil you know what the devil is counting on? He's counting on the fact that you will not resist him. Wow. He's counting on the fact that you will not turn back against him. He's, he's counting on it. He's counting on the fact that you'll get depressed, you'll get frustrated, you'll get sad, you'll get down, you'll get distracted, and you'll just be listless, and he can just pound you as much as he wants to. That's what he's counting on. But the Bible's clear about this. If you resist, and that word resist is a, it's a military term if you look it up in the Greek. If you resist the devil, it says he will run from you. So in here today, online today, I'm going to say to you just like I did last week, the hurricane is what you really are. So when the storm is thrown at you, you will become hurricane. 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 Now you sound like a tropical depression. That's 35 miles an hour. That's when you get the little low on the, they put, draw a circle around a little low. You can blow a little wind in the trees. A couple little showers will pass by, but not much is going to change. So let's try this again. So I want you to say the whole phrase with me. I am hurricane and put your name in. I am hurricane. I am hurricane. I am hurricane. You're up to tropical storm level. Now we're up to 59 miles an hour. You can really blow some, some debris around a little bit. Some trash cans may go down the road. But at the next day it can all be cleaned up in a minute or two and it's not going to change a lot. But now hurricanes are 74 miles an hour and above sustained winds. Usually with the isobars, you know, down about a thousand... 50 you know, millibars, somewhere like that. That means packed in tight. When you see those little lines close together, that means more winds packed in there tight. The hurricane, that thing, when it comes, people know it's coming. And now the devil, just think about the most dastardly thing the devil's done to your life. Now I want you to respond to that storm the way that you know you should respond to it. I'm going to give you one more chance to say it three times and I want you to shout as loud as you can. If you believe you're a hurricane, I want you to shout this as loud as you can. I am hurricane. I am hurricane. I am hurricane. Now give God praise. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online 
Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.